spanning the Valley of the Sun and all across the 48th state. This is the Gatos and Chad Show. Happy, happy, happy. Bare Minimum Monday. Bare Minimum. Barry Minimum Monday. Oh, Barry Minimum is with us today. Now, Barry Marks is with us. Tomorrow, big day, Barry. I don't know if you're aware of this. Big, big, big. There's news Taco happening. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, Trump being, uh, well, tomorrow he gets to go through the whole shebang. Arraignment. The arraignment is tomorrow. We're going to have it for you live right here on KTAR. It's going to happen at 11.15 Arizona time, Chad. So, and we're going to have that live uh, right here on KTAR. And then so I guess tuned. he's flying home to do a Miralago uh, barbecue fun and frivolity free-for-all. Yes. Which we'll also carry. That we're going to have that live as well. 5.15. So tomorrow, let's see, Barry, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, went to law school, most of it, and got a degree, apparently. That's mm. where you've got a Juris Doctorate. That's what I tell people. And uh, explain tomorrow what happens with this, because I think people are always kind of confused yeah. about, you know, all this stuff. So he's, he's been charged. So normally what would happen uh, with, with 99% of people charged with crimes, they'll, they'll get arrested, okay. and the police will handcuff and bring them uh, into the into the place where they, they get fingerprinted and, and, uh, and, and the mugshot taken and all that. Yeah. Here, Trump's going to turn himself in, which does happen, especially with white Type crimes, things like that. He'll be he'll turn himself in. He'll be as we understand it, going to be fingerprinted, going to have a mugshot taken. Um, he's not going to be handcuffed. He'll wait in a little holding area outside the court. And there's a court they use for arraignments. And arraignments is basically where you the charges against you are read, and you'll plead guilty or not guilty. Trump will plead not guilty, and then uh, they that'll be it. They'll let him. Most likely, it'll be some sort of a bail or release on his own recognizance. Bail is generally set up only to keep you from running. I don't think Trump certainly has the money to go anywhere he wants to go, um, but I don't think anyone really thinks of him as a flight risk here. So, so does he know what all the charges are? He does not know. So the, uh, everything, the indictment, everything, all the charges are under seal, and that will not be open until right before, about 15 minutes before. Right under a seal. This arraignment. It's under. It's in an envelope, and it's sealed, and they're going to open the envelope, <laughs> and then they can read the charges. Literally, that's how it works. Oh, really? Yes. I thought they put it under actual... Seal, and then we have to go move the seal. We take it out of the seal. We're like, it's totally under a seal, and then so he has no idea, no idea what. And his attorney now the the obviously the DA does, the grand jury does. So have they spoken to his attorney? Have they? Can they give them a hey? Kind of this is what's coming. They, they can. I don't know whether they have here or not. We haven't heard anything from the Trump people yet. So I would expect if the Trump folks knew exactly what the charges were, we'd be hearing a little bit more about it, just from a PR standpoint, because they can control the message. And as you know. Trump loves controlling the message. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like where this is out of his hands and other people are in control. So, but they're going to know right before the arraignment, and then after that, we will know. Trump's people will know, and we're going to we're going to hear all about it. Believe me, you're going to hear nothing but uh, explanation about what these charges are. And the rumor, Chad, again, we don't know. These are the reports. The reports are that it's not just one or two charges. That there's 34 different counts, 34 different How do you get charges. 34 out of one thing like this, well, or 30 charges, whatever it's going to end up being. I agree. With you. I don't know how you do that which makes me think there's more to it. There's something else going on here. And again, remember this. The Trump the Trump organization, his business, was convicted of crimes in New York just yeah. recently, several yeah. months his ago. His CEO was, right? His, that, his CEO was nonprofit or his, whatever it was. His CFO, uh, Alan Weisselberg, went to prison. He pled guilty um, but would not testify against Trump. He only testified against the business. Now, Hit, uh, Alan Weisselberg, whose prison term is going to end, he went for 100 days. He's got a couple more weeks, I think, in, in, in jail in Rikers. Uh, he recently changed lawyers. He had lawyers that were being paid for, to, for by the Trump organization. He got rid of those lawyers. So, and again, I have no idea if this is right or not, but people are speculating. Is that because he 
did an interview with the grand jury? Did he did he testify about Trump now specifically? The stuff that the Trump organization did and was found guilty of, criminally guilty, that could be attributed to Trump if there's somebody say yes, Donald Trump told us to do these things. So that that could be there. I don't know. We don't know. I, I don't know, don't know. Or it could just be the Stormy Daniels thing, which just and, feels and like an insane reach. And they somehow extrapolated out over 34 different charges. Which I don't know how they do that, absolutely but we're going to find out. nutty as can be. But you know what? I have no idea, and nobody does. Here's what, here's what it could be, though. There could be business. There, the falsifying business records is a crime in New York. It's a misdemeanor. And it's a misdemeanor. And this, But this district attorney has prosecuted that. He's only been in office for a couple of years, and he's prosecuted that, I think, over 100 times. Yeah. I heard. He doesn't prosecute people who get shot on the streets, but he will prosecute this. (laughs) Then there's also um, potential that there was election law violations here, that he spent money that wasn't reported. State election law? Well, I don't know. You're right. It's federal election law. And whether district attorney can do that, that's what we, we'll see. So there's a lot of issues here. What we know tomorrow at 1115, live on KTAR, we're going to know what the charges are. That's what we know. And then tomorrow night, Joe Tapioca or Taco Pina, who is his uh, uh, his attorney, but we call him Joe Tapioca because you know he does. <laughs> don't like it, don't like tapioca, chocolate, chocolate pudding. I can't do it. I can't do. It. I can't do that. But yeah, we're going to find out tomorrow, and and we'll we'll know we'll know a bunch more then. And there's going to be look. There's going to be no matter what the charges are. There's going to be criticism that you shouldn't have arrested a, a former president of the United States for this stuff. There's going to be other people who say everybody is subject to the law. A former president should not be uh, immune from prosecution if he breaks the law. And we're going to have those discussions. But this is this is going to go. The other part that's interesting, Chad, is Trump's look. Trump's been dealing with the legal area civilly and criminally his whole career for yeah. decades. Well, if you're and, a builder in New York, you're yes. going to deal with it. And he's always had the strategy, and we've seen it now since he's been president, of delay, delay, delay. Throw up as many roadblocks as you can, file appeals. And he's going to, I expect he's going to do that here again, wanting this to drag out and get closer and closer and closer to the election, and then wondering, well, now what? Are you going to prosecute me right before the election? Are you going to put me in prison? Can he run for Real, he can. can he run for election while he's in prison? Yes, he can. Is it? Can I mean, he can he guide the country I, while he's in prison? I, I mean, there's a lot of questions going on right here. So we're going to find out. But it's uh, look, you can't. If somebody wrote this as a script for a movie, they would have been thrown out of Hollywood, right? Yeah. They would have been get out of here. That's so ridiculous. I wouldn't even do a cartoon with this story. That's how crazy this is. And yet here we are. And Trump may be spending, may, may be facing a lot more than this. Whatever's going on in Georgia, that those charges we'll could see, be yeah, coming. Same thing with January. I'm not quite sure about the January, January 6th thing stuff. at this point. But you and I have talked about the cover up potentially yeah. uh, uh, of by Miralago and the feds and all that stuff. That to me seems a little bit more serious because you talked about the fact last time you were here. Uh, you said it was sacrosanct. The 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 attorney client privilege was utmost important and yeah. aren't they telling his attorneys you guys got to talk to us about they, some of the stuff they have talked to him now so it's yeah the attorney client privilege i've never seen this in my in my 30 years of practicing law uh where it's the felony crime exception where the the if the lawyer is involved in a crime and and, and they're saying here he was uh with the with his client with trump um you don't have attorney client privilege anymore and and that's what's happened it's not the first it's not the first uh court separate court separate judge to find that with trump regarding these things so it, it's not looking good and and there's new reporting now that Trump, um, with these documents in Mar-a-Lago, not just that they were there, not just that he took stuff accidentally, it was home, but that when they were asking for them, when there was a subpoena for the records, the, the new evidence is Trump knew the records were there. He had people move the records around. He had he looked through boxes of those records and took some stuff out and put it in his office and put it in his residence. 
it, it looks like he's trying to cover things up, and that's what's going to end up catching him here. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. And he did it to himself. Yeah, if that's true, he yeah. did it to himself. Uh, his name is Barry Marks, and he's in for Gators. By the way, bottom of the hour, Kate Gallego is going to oh, join yes. us. Mayor Phoenix, we're going to talk about the zone, the homeless problem. What's the fix? Why did you allow this to grow? Uh, who gave the order to tell the police, not the police down there? A lot of stuff talked about with her. She's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Right now, though, five spot, 277 Two seven two seven seven five eight two seven. Are you a human being that is addicted to your phone? You use your phone on a daily basis, a lot. Two seven seven five eight two seven. We've got a question for is, you. Is that everybody? I would. You might think it is. Who knows? Two seven seven five eight two seven. Five spots straight ahead. Call us now if you use your phone a lot, a lot. So get us a chat show. And Chad. Brought to you by Parker and Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. All right, kids, 277-5827. Do you use your cell phone a lot? Is it one of those things where you're addicted to your cell phone? We are addicted. And the reason we're asking this question is uh, we like to talk about certain things like this. Ask you guys about your cell phone and your usage, in particular when you go to a certain area. 277-5827, 277-5827. And part of that is because a uh, place in Japan, very popular yeah. place, has said, Barry, you can't come in here anymore with your cell phone. You can't come in, no cell phones in the restaurant. Yeah, because yeah. you guys sit around at your table all yep. day. Yep. It takes you forever to order. Yep. You let the noodles, it's a ramen, one of these really nice ramen oh. places. You let the noodles get soggy and nasty, oh. and then it becomes a hot mess, and then you're upset. I love it. So would you say if a restaurant told you, no, you cannot come here, if you're going to use your cell phone, would you go there? I probably wouldn't because I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. But... When I go out for dinner with people, I don't like to see them on their cell phone. Yeah. Put, the, put the phones away. Yeah. Well, so it used I'm, to be in the old days, right? You see people with their, you know, the, like the paper in front of you. Yeah, like, yeah. A couple reading a book and right. another person reading the paper. <laughs> Different now with the cell phone. Uh, let's go to Michael in North Phoenix. Michael, do you like your cell phone? Yeah, it's all right. You know, I'm an old guy, retired. And, uh, you know, sometimes I pick it up. I just can't put it down. You know, you start watching these little short videos and stuff like that. But for the most part, I just use it for, like, checking the weather. And uh, I don't even bring it with me when I go out. It's just too much of a nuisance. Everybody else has got one. What do I need it for? So you'd be fine going to a restaurant that says, uh, you know what, uh, you can't bring yourself on here. I'd be fine if I left for a week and I left at home. I think, uh, you know what, that's good. I like Michael. Michael's the winner right there. Uh, let's go with Bob and Mesa. Bob, if you had to go to a restaurant and they said you can't bring your cell phone in, what would you do? I don't bring my cell phone in. If I'm on a date, I always leave that cell phone in the car. What's I your wife think? Who's calling me? That's, that's out of respect. Does your wife get upset when you don't call her back? <laughs> oh no, no, no! I don't. I don't have a wife. I have a girlfriend. Okay. That's a, well, what does she say about you going on other dates? Oh, it's a, it's a joke, Tom. You can laugh. There you go. There you, you can laugh. All right. No, no, apparently not. Uh, let's go to uh, Holly and Mesa. Holly, uh, if you went to a restaurant that said, hey, you know what? We don't allow cell phones here. What would you do? Uh, not a big deal. I don't use it at the restaurant unless I'm taking pictures of other people on their phones, like not interacting with one another. But ah. uh, my phone usually stays uh, either in my pocket 
or at home. I don't bring it when we go out. That's good. Appreciate that. Uh, you know what? I I myself look. I I hate it because in the business that I'm in. Yeah. I've you know I, we were talking last week. The the rise of the flip phone is flip phone is back, especially for Gen Z oh. because they want you know. Well, first of all, they're terrified to talk to each other. I think it's a way of forcing them, and they're trying to get away from a lot of different stuff like on the web all day. Uh, I would love that, but you know, Barry. I mean, you're like me. You know, it's, uh, there is none of that in our world. Yeah, no, but I have to tell you, though, the, the, the cell phone, bringing the cell phone and, and to, to meals with people or when you're talking to people, I don't like it. I, I have a friend of mine who, I, I, who he would always say he'd bring his cell phone everywhere. If you're sitting there eating with him, in the middle of conversation, you're mid-sentence, he'll pick up his phone and start looking at it. Yeah. And it just drives me nuts. My, my, I'm going to get in trouble now. My wife does that sometimes Ugh. because she's so addicted to it, that thing goes off and she no feels like she needs so to unhappy. respond. And, it's, and, I, and I'll look at him like, put your phone down. It's like, it's okay. Yeah, you, you can look at your phone in thirty minutes. Nothing bad is going to happen in thirty minutes. I know, and it's it's a struggle it, sometimes. It's, it's it's an addiction, and I think we do it yep. at a habit, and yep. you don't even know you're doing it. It amazes me because uh, look, I'm old enough to remember before we had cell phones, and I still remember. Again, being an attorney, and you go on a vacation, and you tell your assistant, this is where I'm going to be. This is the number for my hotel. Don't call me. And that's basically what it yeah. was. It was an emergency you call. And now- Hit me up. I'm a pager. Now, we're 24-7, right? It's, it's all 24 the, And your employer has to know where you are, and you're just- They expect you to reply. It doesn't matter if you're on vacation. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. It's He's Barry Markson in for Gatos. Coming up. Coming up. The mayor. Oh, my. The great city of Phoenix is going to join us. We have an issue with- Homeless. Homelessness. We have the zone. What is going on there? They got a ruling uh, that, hey, you got to clean this stuff up. We're going to talk to the mayor, uh, K. Gallego, but like, what can you do about it? Uh, ask some serious questions about what happened down there. How did it get so out of control? Uh, mayor K. Gallego joins the program straight ahead. Let's get us chat show. We have a nightmare downtown. It's called the zone. Uh,. Lawsuits, whole nine yards. Joining us now is uh, somebody who's having to deal with that. She is the mayor of Phoenix. Uh, Kay Gallego uh, joins us. Mayor, thanks so much for joining us. And that zone is a nightmare. I've been down there, Mayor. Uh, it reminds me of San Francisco. I lived near San Francisco for many years. Los Angeles. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I just get terrified when I see it because I feel once it starts, it ain't stopping. Well, when we, we maybe should tell you some of the things we are doing. Please do. Um, we at the city of Phoenix want to partner with every level of government to find solutions and get people housed. I want us to do more. And we've been working with my colleagues to bring seven new investments online that will help take people out of the zone and put them into a better housing situation. These include partnerships with nonprofits like the Salvation Army you mom and CBI that are in every part of Phoenix. One of the things I have tried to emphasize is we want solutions close to where people lived when they last had a stable housing situation. Hopefully they have a network that it will help them and, and people who will support them to get in a healthy, stable housing situation. So from the South side to North mountain, we are making investments. We have a partnership with us vets where we purchased a hotel for us vets in pretty far North Phoenix. Um, people come from all over Northern Arizona and Maricopa County to get services in Phoenix. When the human service campus was originally designed, there were supposed to be four facilities that were similar throughout the Valley. Phoenix was the only one that stepped up to show leadership and make those investments. 
And now people come from particularly the West Valley, where there are not as many services, to Phoenix. So I have asked the county and my fellow mayors, can you provide services for people who need shelter in your community so that they can have better, healthier outcomes? I had a great meeting with our County Board of Supervisors Chairman Clint Hickman last week, and they want to be part of the solution as well. Uh, Governor Hobbs from day one has been talking to me about how the state can be more helpful, and she's advanced a budget that has real investments from mental health and addiction support to dollars to address roofs for individuals. Uh, she is a social worker by background, so she wants yeah. to get to the root cause of uh, why people are homeless. Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego joining us here on KTR. Uh, Mayor, let, let me ask you, and I, I've been saying this, this is an incredibly difficult problem, and it's not just Phoenix. It's, it's being faced by cities all over the country, um, and I, it seems to me the biggest problem is we can help the folks who have recently become homeless and, and need housing and need services, um, but there's a lot of people, whether it be for mental illness or drug drug issues, who, who don't want those services or certainly don't want uh, to live in a, in a, in a place they want to, they'd rather live on the street. They don't want to have to be limited to what they can bring in uh, to a facility. What are we, how, how can, and I'm not saying you have an answer to this, because no one else does. I'm just asking, what can we do if we're working with the state, we're working with the counties, what can we do to address those people? We are really looking at how the what the courts will say about this. There are some mayors, uh, particularly in Southern California, that have concluded that when people are facing addiction, the compassionate thing to do is to get the courts involved and get them treated. So there were individuals that we often call service resistant, who when offered do not accept. And so there's a real conversation in cities throughout the United States right now. What is the best way to respond? And um, you will be probably the right experts to talk about this. There's a lot of litigation on both sides. Yeah. The provider community doesn't agree yet about what is the best evidence-based yeah. solution for individuals who are service resistant. Mayor Gay goes with us on KTR. Mayor, did Phoenix have a policy for their police of not enforcing laws in the zone prior to this court order? I want to be very clear about that. Unsheltered residents are members of our community, and we treat every member of our community the same when they commit a crime. We want to be consistent and to enforce breaking the law. So drug dealing, illegal. Being homeless is not a crime, so we're not going to prosecute people for not having safe shelter. But if you commit a crime, it is the same regardless of your housing status. Talking to Mary Gallegos, we talk about what's going on down there at the zone. Uh, I was at the zone two weeks ago. I saw drug dealing. I saw people urinating in the street. I saw prostitution. We saw all kinds of things. What I didn't see was a police officer. And you've had several police officers come out and say, look, we were basically told not to go there. It's not the first day. It's not the first city in America where it just seems to be kind of left to its own devices. And I think a lot of people have questions about why, you know, business owners, why can they get away with certain things that the average law-abiding citizen couldn't. And we actually have significant legal, legal action on the other side where we are being sued for being too aggressive in our law enforcement. Yeah. So there's a real conversation, and, and we want to comply with all the many court decisions that govern housing and homelessness, um, but we have been sued for being too aggressive as well. So we are going to find the, perf the balance and support our law enforcement in a way that is consistent with federal law and local statutes, but we want to be 
very fair. If you do something that's illegal, you should be treated the same way regardless of your housing status. Uh, One great new opportunity that we will have come April 17th is Kevin Robinson will be sworn into the Phoenix City Council. He served as our assistant police chief, but before he was in leadership, he worked directly around the Human Service Campus. And so he has firsthand experience with what solutions work, how do we invest in a way that has long-term benefits and, and not temporary fixes. So I'm very excited to have that expertise on the city council. And he's very passionate about housing and homelessness. Well, interesting. Going forward, who knows what's going to happen again? Lawsuits everywhere. At the end of the day, it seems to be that's where everything is up in the court. Mayor Gallego, appreciate you coming on today. And uh, good luck with this, because uh, I don't think this is going to be fixed overnight. That's for sure. We appreciate everyone who wants to help. And we are hiring social workers at the city of Phoenix, as well as law enforcement who have a passion for supporting the most vulnerable in our community. So if your listeners want to help, we want to hire. Okay, there you go. Appreciate that. Thanks so much, Mayor. Thanks. Goodbye. Uh, So uh, interesting. A lot of stuff to suss out there. You and I will break it down. Uh, Mayor Gallego there. Uh, You know, we could spend an hour on this thing. Uh, You know, I heard compassion in there. And I think at some point in time, compassion goes out the window because I think the compassion that you give in certain cases is more of an enabling kind of compassion than an actual dealing with. Yeah, look, look, it's a it's it's, you could kind of see how the mayor was responding to some of these questions because she does face lawsuits on all sides. of So so here she's got one from business owners and the courts come down and said, you can't do this anymore. Uh, the court has literally in their or in its order said the tents and all the makeshift structures have to be gone. The biohazardous materials, human feces, urine, drug paraphernalia, all that has to be gone. Uh, individuals committing offenses against the public order, in other words, breaking laws, has to be gone. So the, the, that's one side. And the other side is the homeless advocates who are suing, saying the police are too rough. They're going in and they're taking our, our clients' possessions away from them when they move them out of areas. Uh, people who are homeless, people who are setting up tents somewhere else in yeah. the valley. And the police come and say, you can't do that. And they take the stuff away. The city's being sued about that. Yeah. It, it, it's an impossible situation. I, I don't blame her. Uh, we have to try to find a solution. But this is something that we have to work on together. And I don't know that we'll ever really find no, this. We're not going to fill it. No. As long as there's drugs and long-term mental illness, you're not going to figure this out. And in because we have a constitution, we're going to get deeper into it. Mayor Gallego, join the program. We'll talk a, a bit of reaction about what yep. came from that. Uh, Barry Marks, your name for Gatos. It is the Gatos and Chad Show. <laughs> Uh, America Ego was kind enough to grace us uh, with her presence. Talk about, uh, you know, stuff like the homeless, the zone. Oh, my goodness. Look, I don't expect them to fix it overnight. And quite frankly, uh, I don't expect them to fix the situation. I've seen what happens when it takes root. Uh, I, I know what's coming. The thing is, can we contain it? That's the big issue. And uh, Barry Marchand, for, for, forget us, what would you would you take away from well, what I'm taking away mostly is that the city is is kind of under fire from both sides. So you had business owners sue the city uh, for about the zone because they're being and property owners who are dealing with a thousand homeless people down there and the drugs and the and the violence and the the crimes that are being committed. And then on the other side of it, you have homeless advocates, whether it be the ACLU or others, who are saying you can't. You can, the, the city of Phoenix is too strong in their policing of these folks. So it, it's a, it's a constant battle between the constitutional rights. I don't know how that and, happens. I've been down there. I don't see too strong. Uh, well, not not at the zone. But what they're saying is if they find you in other parts of the valley, in other parts of Phoenix, I think they come and say you can't be here. They pick up your tent. They move your stuff. And if you start taking people's stuff, then some are saying that's unconstitutional. Apparently, everybody has a right to to stay on a sidewalk. It's it's crazy. So I was giving credit to to the mayor of the city of Phoenix and at least saying, look, this isn't. This is going to sound bad. Having these folks down at the zone, 
for 99.99% of us is the best option because they're kind of out of sight. Well, keeping mind, them away from everybody else right, is, is, but it's a, it's, it's, it's an awful thing to say. Now, that doesn't mean there should be crimes. That doesn't mean people should be raped and murdered and burned alive and all the other stuff that's going down. That should be policed. But in talking to some people in the KTR News Center here at the break, Chad, I'm hearing that they are seeing homeless people in their neighborhoods. They are seeing people living in their cars and parks right by their home. Portland and San Francisco didn't start out with everybody doing what they're doing. And this is my fear of what's going on here. And the other thing is the advocates get involved, and we talked about that. And America Ego brought up the fact that, hey, the lawsuits come in both directions. We actually have significant legal action on the other side where we are being sued for being too aggressive in our law enforcement. So there's a real conversation, and and we want to comply with all the many court decisions. This is to me. This is not a blame game. This is this is an impossible question that I do not know the answer to. And Chad, as you know from knowing me, I know the answer to everything. I know this one. I don't. I really don't. And so I don't blame anybody. I think this needs to be a solution-driven, what do we do? Well, the solution-driven, and, 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 you know, I mean, again, you do know everything. Here's the reality. <laughs> Here's the blaming I get. I get the same thing from California. The whole thing is they want to be empathetic. She even said the word compassion. At some point, yeah. if you've dealt with drugs and people who are on drugs, and I grew up around people who were on drugs. My father died of a, a, an overdose, a heart attack, who, you know, I mean, he did all the, I grew up, let me tell you. Compassion only goes so far, and then you have to have that tough compassion where if you continue to give into it over and over again, yeah. they're going to do it. All we're doing is we're helping people get to their death in a comfortable way. So what what is the answer to that? So let's say it's a person who's a drug addict, obviously addicted to drugs, living on the street. They're they're what, what they call a services resistant. They yeah. don't want the services. They don't want to be put inside somewhere to help. They don't want rules. They don't want anything. So what do you do? They're not hurting. Any, I'm going to put these other parameters. They're not committing crimes. They're not hurt. I mean, they're well, doing drugs. Right, we so don't know if they're not committing well, crimes. Well, we if don't, nobody's patrolling anywhere, and well, there hasn't should, been. They should be patrolling. But if yeah. they're just living their life, maybe they're panhandling or whatever it is. They go to the food kitchen and get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What do you do with these people? Are well, you saying I think we should at some point you've people? got to start saying, you know what? You can't do it here. If you want to go to California and panhandle, go ahead. But but how do you how do you do that? You take away all you you you've given them the opportunity at services. Now you take it away and you stop feeding them. You stop giving them everything that they need. Either they're going to clean themselves up, yeah, right, and they're going to say, oh, now the mental illness side of things. But that also goes to the drugs. What came first, mental illness or drugs? Yeah. Either way, some people are in a position where. You're you're not going to fix it, and you know you can't give these people. But you're saying to tell Saint Saint Vincent de Paul you can't feed these people. Well, I think. Well, I mean, at some you're not going to tell them that they're going to do it anyway. Well, then then you're going to continue to have this mess. Yeah. Well, so if you feed them, they will come. But that's not the city's. They, the, the city can't control that. No, but you know what? They also promised the people down there uh, that they were never going to, you never have to worry about the homeless people staying here. You never yeah. have to worry about no, it. what ended up happening. This is going to continue and it's not going to go away. And I tell you this, Barry, it is spreading out and it's not your neighborhood yet, but Portland didn't end up this way overnight. San Francisco didn't end up the way overnight and Los Angeles didn't. I, I don't think that Mayor Gallego and the Phoenix City Council, as liberal as you may think they are, I don't think they're Portland or San Francisco. I don't think that's the case yet, but we're going to find out. That's for sure. I think I think we're going to find out lot sooner than we we want to. Uh, he's Barry uh, March and he's in for uh, Gatos. Gatos will be back on Wednesday from what I hear because uh, that's what he told me on Friday. <laughs> it's the Gatos <laughs> and <Jones. laughs>